Outkick 360 is back. Wednesday edition. We are glad you are with us. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The full cast with Outkick making the show happen, including Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, and the great chairman of the board, David Reed, I'm Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, Jake Popoff, Regan McCrossan. The list goes on and on uh, here as we broadcast live from Blackbird Studio, the Blackbird Academy, Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. I'm fired up, ready to go. Paul's wearing purple. That, that's how you know it's going to be like a big purple. day. On the royal, color of royalty. On the eve of wearing green. Yeah. Oh. 360 masters oh, yeah. tomorrow night. I, I guarantee you. I you can look be right there. behind me right here. This right here. It's this, about to leave the set. This is going to be big tomorrow night. Which will ease my mother's concerns about the imbalance of the set. That yeah. jacket mom will be disappearing after tomorrow's show. Outkick 360 Masters. It, big day. Big day tomorrow, Hutton. Yes. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to it as we broadcast uh, here and then head over for a live broadcast tomorrow night uh, where you can join us on our Instagram channel. Uh, just search out Outkick 360. We hope that you'll do that on YouTube as well. Outkick 360's channel. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. You're alerted every time we go live, noon Eastern, across the Outkick Network. Let's all begin to hydrate now and really work on it all the way up till tomorrow evening. Get back into uh, some Julio Jones discussion coming up later in the show. Primary complaint today in 45 minutes. Looking forward to that as we are ready to go, and many of you are as well, with submissions to 360outkick.com. Had plenty to choose from this week, and we certainly appreciate that. We start, though. With Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams did show up to the mandatory minicamp. He was asked by reporters uh, both about Aaron Rodgers and his own contract status. Devontae Adams, I, I believe his contract expires after the 2021 season, and he was asked if he's going to sit out training camp if they don't find an extension. <laughs> and he said, look, I'm not about to give away that money. I'm going to get the money that... that I've earned on my contract. I'm not just going to pay pay them back $50,000 a day, which is a mandatory fine for missing training camp. So Devontae Adams is there, but he says that he will stand on the mountain and scream that I've got his back in response to Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is next up to the podium. He's scheduled to talk with reporters today. But not everyone has Aaron Rodgers back. Just out lately, Tyler Dunn, who's an excellent, excellent NFL reporter and writes excellent long-form pieces and is very tied in to the Bills and the Packers from having covered those two teams, has a player with the Packers who says, we need to say bleep it, let's go, or he's here. We don't have time to be waiting around. We're six weeks from training camp. How much longer are we waiting? So there is at least some sentiment in there um, of impatience. Now, I would say to this guy, six weeks is an eternity, and it doesn't matter what happens between now and then. An opening day of training camp, I can understand feeling that way if, there's, if this is hanging over their head. But in the meantime, you know, you're, you're being a little naive, like into the business of how things work. OTAs and even the minicamp don't mean much, especially for a veteran team like the Packers, that, that hasn't had a lot of turnover, I would say to this guy, you should be quiet at this stage. Talk to me on the beginning of minicamp. But this shows you that while Devontae Adams will scream from the mountaintop, other people are already like, and like their fan base, they're WTF. Split. The locker room split. Yeah, I do wonder how much media training the players get in a situation like this where they come in and say, here's what we're going to say about Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to say anything, or we're going to say that's for the organization and him to figure out if there's any type of advice given on how you go about it, or if it's just they don't care because they want pressure to be on Aaron Rodgers. And if you have a problem with them not being here, say it, because that helps the, the organization's cause. Yeah. If players are saying, hey, this guy's being flaky, you're either in or out, he's getting paid a lot of money, he should be here, I wonder if the team wants players to say well, that. Well, I think if the team was really not concerned with what players said, this guy would have put his name on it. Right. Yeah, great point. <laughs> so uh, saying it anonymously is a, is a different deal. I think, Chad... It's also so hard to get players to speak out against players. Right. And I Even think, if they don't like them. We, we've seen that locally with the Titans before where a player gives quits. a teammate every single reason to say something remotely negative about them. 
they won't do it. Rashad Matthews Players quit, won't do it. and the guys were like, "He's for the boys." Well, for Good all luck of, in Miami on for the for all of that, for all of that fake crap where they were claiming he didn't quit on the team, which Rashad Matthews did Absolutely quit on the Titans. Absolutely quit on the team. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers did the exact opposite with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, they did. You're right, but that was an exception, a, ra- a rarity. But it was but it was outstanding. They, they were uh, they divvied up the stuff in his. They locker. were out front on uh, it. Yeah. Um, but I think in this in this instance, Chad, I think <clears throat> it's a dream that we dream that a team wouldn't care about the message coming from the players. I think nowadays the team always, always, always wants to control what the players say. And always when they see this quote, they're like, oh, damn it, somebody's talking out of school. Well, increasingly, We, we what, wish we could control what And increasingly says. what the team wants is for the player not to speak. And for media Don't not say to anything. have availability. Well, but it makes it their job easier if no one's saying anything. But uh, I read the, the anonymous quote not as like a, talking bad of Aaron Rodgers. No, I, I think the, the veteran is saying, yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out and let's Both move sides. forward one way or the other. Yeah. Both sides. Because it, with, without some finality to it now, we're going into a training camp with a lot of confusion. A lot of and unknown. And it's going to grow now because Jordan Love is about to speak. We haven't heard from him all off season, and it's intriguing from the stance of he's he's apparently not playing very well, and for what it is, mini camp OTAs. Um, we'll, we'll get into that part of it, but also he's in he's he's in a tough position where he is the future of the franchise based on what they have traded for and what they and where they drafted him and what they have to figure out uh, before they pick up that fifth year option versus what everyone. F- Thinks of Aaron Rodgers and the reigning MVP of the NFL. Um, he has to come out and say that he hopes Aaron Rodgers is back and that he's behind him. He will be fully programmed by the team, by PR, by Matt LaFleur, by Brian Gutenkest, I, I would expect. He might have a one-liner or two to try to lighten things. I don't know what his personality is like at all. If he has that kind of personality, it would be terrific if he could say one or two funny things to kind of uh, ease the mood, yeah. the tension, all of that kind of stuff. Be self-deprecating to the degree that you can without saying, suggesting that there's no confidence to be had in you. But this will be very well prepared also, if, if he's able to be very well I don't, prepared. I don't think, like, pers- you know, you guys know I believe perception is reality. Yeah. If he's just a puppet for the franchise, I don't think that speaks well inside the locker room no, either. No, it's got to be crafted. He needs to act P- like some a QB puppetry, one today. Some puppetry with the QB one. Yeah, puppetry disguised inside QB one personnel. It's intricate. Uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think there'll be some rehearsal element to it that that they want it to look unrehearsed. But the bullet points inside of it will be predetermined. Right. That's I mean, ideally what the Packers would want. Yes. Well, and I said it yesterday, and I hear the anonymous quote from the Packers veteran today, and my point yesterday was, if you were confident enough to trade up and draft Jordan Love, why are you not confident enough to move forward with Jordan Love? Well, because your quarterback just surprisingly outperformed everything you could have imagined, and you can't but turn I away from that. I don't know how surprising it was because it's not like Aaron Rodgers was terrible. Well, they expected a the drop off that they didn't get. They they miss r- uh, miss forecast, but when you miss forecast, you have to adjust. You know what I could say though, if I'm Brian Gutenkist? great, he was the MVP, great season, still couldn't beat Tom Brady in the Bucks. No, we Jordan still didn't Love go to a Super Bowl. Him. Jordan Love ain't beating him or going to a Super Bowl. That's great. Then why the hell did you trade up to draft him? Because when you trade you up to a draft mistake. a guy with a Hall of Famer on your roster, you were saying that guy's our next Hall of Famer. You were saying he's our starter. And name an NFL franchise who trades up to draft a quarterback in the first round because that quarterback needs more than two years to sit. Well, it worked for the franchise. There wasn't a trade-up for Rodgers, obviously. He fell in their lap. But it worked for this very organization, a two-year sit. It worked. But they were, pla- they were planning on a two-year sit. They clearly were not in this situation. Because they, wanted, they, didn't, they didn't expect Aaron Rodgers to be this good? Well, this is the second-year sit. They were planning on a two-year sit. They weren't planning uh, on a three-year sit. No, I don't problem. think they were planning on a two-year sit. And Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. pointed that out. He changed their plans by the season that he had last year. I think Aaron Rodgers has this franchise by the you-know-what because they made a terrible decision and did not even have the courtesy to inform him they were thinking about making this terrible decision. And I think Aaron Rodgers has the power right now. And Aaron Rodgers, quite frankly, is rich enough to sit out if he wanted to 
and would have no problem financially. It's so just if crazy. I'm the, again, I'm going back to what I said yesterday, but if I'm the Packers, if I'm confident enough in Jordan Love to do that, they should also be confident enough to move Aaron Rodgers, get some pieces in return, and start building towards the future, even if it sacrifices the present this year. They're not going to be a Super Bowl contender without Aaron Rodgers. Everyone knows that. But you did this, you were confident enough in it, follow through on that confidence, and show that with what they could get in return for Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be a playoff team a year from now. Maybe not this year, but Jordan Love is that good. We're confident to go to battle with him, and we're going to move forward and be right back in the playoffs a year from now and be a steady organization that they've been for ever since Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback. Well, so the Packers have to figure out about their current quarterback, their young guy in Jordan Love. Um, Paul, I know you've been seeing the same tweets where he's not performing very well, uh, but albeit, you know, it's June. Um, But the the other teams that drafted a quarterback high when Jordan Love went off the board, uh, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, going into year two, that is when you expect the year one to year two jump, when they make the biggest progression of their career, the biggest transition from year one to year two in the playbook, confidence level, uh, overall skill set, all of that comes together. And you're crafted and molded into the quarterback you're going to be. Now, he was very clearly the fourth guy. He was. And those guys all played. They all played. Meanwhile, meanwhile, he sat. He was the third string and was inactive. Uh, Even late in the season, he was inactive for these games. So, you know, while, while you're waiting on the year two leap for the other QBs, you, there's a potential where you go into year three with, with Jordan Love and you really you don't, don't know yeah. other than practice reps. The, uh, the, the, th- the, the amazing thing the Packers did here, when you look at what they have, right, the number one thing you want in the NFL is a very good NFL quarterback, right? That answers all uh, so many questions, covers so many things. And they have that. They have the reigning MVP. And another thing that's very important for teams is to not have some big distracting storyline, right? You want it to be all about the football. Every coach would tell you, I'd love for it to be all about the football and for not to be any drama. The Packers, you know, in a well-detailed thing that we've discussed plenty, have taken the first and turned it into the the second. And um, it's just Really, if you step back and think about it, outside of where we've been talking about this so regularly, and there there are daily developments of it now, with Love being on the field and ready to speak, and all of this and minicamp going on, it's it's just baffling that they've been able to turn uh, MVP quarterback into this situation. Um, and I think around the league, it, people would marvel at that. They have exactly <laughs> what you want in a phenomenal quarterback that should eliminate all questions, and they've turned it into the biggest question. Yeah. Uh, That's some real butchery there. The NFL looking for a partner city in Germany. They are launching that today as they begin their their search for a team much like they've found in London, uh, where Jacksonville's all all but, you know, willing to, to move over to London to play their regular season games um, they they played more than one they play more than two if they were allowed um, but Paul in the 90s there were preseason games in Germany Germany just set a record for Super Bowl viewership Germany was big in the World League of American Football and whatever right. it became called the Berlin Thunder and everyone else the Rhine fire yeah what, yeah what, so. what city in Germany uh, you know what what well-populated city in Germany wouldn't want this? I mean, there are right. soccer facilities uh, all, all over the country that I, uh, I'm sure are equipped to handle this. I mean, it's uh, I, I'm not going to say it's equivalent to World Cup bid, but you know, you're offering, hey, we'll bring a star attraction over there that's going to draw uh, Germans and expats. Um, you know, who wants it? And, uh, I, I would and viewership has, has gone up by 20%. Berlin and Munich, and what's the third biggest city in Germany? Dusseldorf. Yeah. Um, the viewership's gone up 20% since 2017 of the NFL product. Um, and, and so now the question would be, okay, are we about to, and this isn't for this upcoming season, 
but there's already discussion about an 18th game. We know there's 17 games. There's discussion about an 18th game because the NFLPA and the NFL can go back to negotiating starting after year six of this agreement, and they're about to enter year one. Uh, so I think there will be heavy talk about adding another game to this regular season schedule before we even see the 17th game in the longest NFL season. Um, I, are we about to see a situation where there's a game in London or a four-pack of games in London, which we've seen, and every team after that is required to play one game out of the country, whether that's Mexico, Canada, Germany, or you know, Europe or at in least, general. Oh, uh, if not out of the country, away from home where maybe they would do these. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, feeling, seems like, from fans. Uh, and certainly they want to spread their wings internationally. But then you wonder about, you know, these uh, one-offs and if they'd, if they'd follow maybe the NHL's thing with the Winter Classic type ideas where you take it to unconventional venues. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this, you know. Take a game to the big house, you know, and have the Lions play there. Um, it would, the 17th game gives you some potential for some of these kind of things. Now, I know for a fact that the Titans contract with the city called for them to play all of their home games in Nissan State. All home games or, or like 10 that's home question. games? Uh, that's the question. Did it call for 10? Did it call for eight regular season games? Or did it call for all home regular season games? I need to find that out. But if it called for all eight, then the Titans can finally be a home team outside of Nashville, in which case they'll be in this rotation. If not, they're going to have to, the league is going to have to intervene and negotiate them out of that if, in fact, a year where they have a ninth home game, like this year, the league wants them to take that game out, then I would think it's incumbent on the league to get them out of their obligation with Nashville to play that game at home. Did Nashville have the foresight to say all home games? Or did Nashville say eight home games, not thinking that there was potential for this, 16, this is back in 1997, 98, where they negotiated this, 96, 97. Did they not have the foresight to anticipate, hey, 20, 25 years from now, the league could be playing 17, 18 game schedules, and we need to do the wording for that. And meanwhile. That's an interesting issue. As, as a part of the agreement for the Rams to move back to L.A., or the Chargers to join them in L.A., they gave or up. Oakland to get out and go to Vegas, do they give up a game at home as part of that negotiation well, with the league to get the votes necessary did. to go and, and uproot their team and take it to a bigger and better well, stadium situation. What they did is gave them up on the front side. So while they were lame ducks in San Diego, yep. in Oakland, playing in crappy stadiums, they said, we'll, we'll go. And so, so the they've Chargers, got them in the bank. The Chargers hosted the Titans in London. Right. And they've yeah. got those games in the bank because they said, you know, they're knowing, like, when we get into our new building, we don't want to be empty on home game dates because we're in London or Dusseldorf or Beijing or wherever. Is it, is it not just now with the 17th game as easy as every NFL team? I'm probably missing something here, but it seems as easy as eight home games, eight away games. You partner with one team in an international game. Yes. So every every game you have we have one game where it's the same for both teams. That is your international week. So the Titans play the Arizona Cardinals in in Munich, Germany, one year or whatever it is. But every year you get one game out of country, and that's the seventeenth game. Ultimately, that's where you think it would head. That's that's a that's huge. Should, that's, that's a very big inventory that, that because that's where, seventeen games. Yes, and just like that's too much inventory. Take international. So you're soccer. on a rotation right now. Okay. Take English Premier League soccer. And uh, fan clubs all over the U.S. where they get together at 7 in the morning and watch their team. Right. You've got that going on in England and Germany oh, right absolutely. now with the NFL. So just continue that. Just like there's an international series where those teams will come to the To me, that's the what Formula One is trying to do with the Netflix series and everything else. They've got one race in the United States right now. There are racing fans and Formula One fans in the United States. Is it a huge percentage of sports fans? No. Is it growing? Yes. Is the NFL going to continue to grow abroad? Yes. This is the perfect way to meet it. Every week you've got that international intrigue of two American NFL teams 
playing in Germany, playing in England, playing in Mexico, playing in Canada, and that's been wherever discussed. it may be, and yeah. then you have that every week. That's, that's been discussed whenever we were discussing adding the 17th game before it was even being discussed publicly behind closed doors. What I'm what I'm bringing up is they. I think a part of this plan will be 18 games. Because that's already been floated out before they've even kicked off the season for the first ever seventeen. And then you throw it game. off again. You're in the rotation. Then you're back where in the somebody's rotation. Somebody's giving up a home game. But here's the other thing it does, Chad. It creates another TV window. Those nine a.m. games. I don't know how well they've done, but they don't care. Like then you've got nine, twelve, three, seven all day Sunday football plus Thursday yeah. night, Monday night. And uh, this happens in international soccer. Like that European championship game, the Champions League game, has been played in Moscow, and it starts at like 10.30 at night there to be in the right TV window. They play games in the English Premier League that are in a window that's not great in England. But you know where it's great? China. And so <laughs> so they guys are playing purpose. at not a great time. And coaches are complaining about it, but it's marketed to be on TV at an appropriate time for international television viewing. And that's how they're monstrous international. Well, 18th game sounds dumb to me. I mean, that's well, you're only, I mean, that is just straight. As long as it's I get for that it's all generated by money, but that is just straight great. At least you can sell the we are now becoming an international sport. We're going to market the game internationally. 17th game, same for everyone. You get one game overseas. Well, they didn't sell it that much that no. that way for this. They sold it as a financial boon to play. I get it. But if you're going to add, I'm just saying if you're going to add, it just makes common sense to me to add one that's an international game because then it's all fair to you get eight home, eight away, one international. It's very clean, balanced. Well, it's not that way right now. Schedule. I know it's not, but I, I'm saying if that's the plan. But then if you're going to do that and then say, and we're going to add an 18th game and, and still keep it in, in balance. Because the owners are, are about to see the extra home game pay off. And, the, and they're going to add the extra game to allow the owners to keep the extra home game that they just added. If that also, makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. But I think you make that, it lucrative for them to take that game on the road. It makes it, make it lucrative to take it internationally. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can show the owners that, hey, when we do this in Germany and England, this is the money coming in from Germany and England with NFL rights fees, with streaming. All 32 owners are getting this money. And with merchandise. You don't have to worry about the extra home game. We got you. We'll take care of that. Don't worry about an 18th game. You're going to make this X amount of money by agreeing to go overseas for one game. But I think I if you think can do that, it makes it better and cleaner for everyone from a schedule standpoint. I, I agree with all of that. But if you're staying cranky and you just invested what you invested... In that stadium, I could see being reluctant to head I, to Germany. Look, I don't, but but again, <laughs> you I, did what everybody wanted. This, you spent your own money on a stadium, which we're asking everybody to do, and nobody else is doing it. Jerry Jones, billion. Jerry Jones did a lot of it, <laughs> right? And you're saying, hey, take an extra. We're giving you extra inventory, and you're saying, take the extra inventory, uh, five, six thousand miles, seven thousand miles, uh, halfway across the world. I would tell Stan Kroenke when you built that stadium, it was a 16-game season the way it had been for years and years and years. So we are now giving you more money by taking the game internationally, so cool it. There's only so much money to be made. I get that that sounds naive to some people. Stan Kroenke's going to be fine with his investment in Los Angeles. I understand Stan Kroenke wanting as many games in L.A. as possible. They could do 20 regular season games, and then the NFL owners would say, I need a 21st game to get an extra home game. <laughs> I mean, that's always going to be the right. case, right? But at some point, I do think there's a way to have a huge, even more so, financial boom by going overseas and keeping the schedule clean with 17 games. Well, then the next layer to all this that we don't we won't have to get into today is putting a franchise outside of the country. I mean that, that Which or a division outside of the country. Every time it comes up, uh, a team outside of the country. Every time it comes up, automatically uh, logistics come up. Sure. And it would be very hard, not just logistically getting a team over there to play them, but the idea of trying out players on a Tuesday. Uh, all of that stuff. It would be very hard to pull it off at the expense of uh, the taxes for the player who plays for that franchise, that team's ability to sign free agents. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that would go into that. So this rotational thing where London always has a game but doesn't necessarily have a team 
is a lot tidier. Coming up, primary complaint in about 20 minutes. Before that, we discuss what is spider tack? Because Garrett Cole didn't even want to explain it. That's next on Outkick 360. Hang with us. But first, manscaped.com, set for Father's Day. Father's Day coming. Weather is catching heat. Whether you have a dad body or you're rocking a six-pack like David Reed. Make sure you and your dad smell great and they're groomed for where it matters most. Perfect for Father's Day. The all-new trimmer. The Lawnmower 4.0 with the refined cologne by Manscaped. Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just dropped their Lawnmower 4.0. And Chad, this thing is legit. It is legit, and we love giving uh, good Father's Day ideas, and, and this is the one. Look, it's got sizes, guard lengths, one through four, and the new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction. We're going to be talking about foreign substances in baseball. Going to feel like we need uh, some sort of physics degree. They've got that at Manscaped with electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. At manscaped.com, if you use the code OK360, you get 20% off, and my favorite thing, free shipping. Who pays to ship anything anymore? Not us, not you. OK360, 20% off, and free shipping at manscaped.com. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us, and we hope you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick 360. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, you're alerted to everything we post on the exclusive channel. If someone asks a Major League Baseball player, have you ever used steroids? Have you ever tried HGH? And the response is, I'm not sure how to answer that. The answer is, yes, they have. They have used that. Garrett Cole was asked yesterday, has he ever used spider tack on the mound to alter the baseball, to help with his spin rate? And that was his response. I'm not sure how to answer that. Paul. That's a yes. Chad. Yes, Garrett Cole has used spider tag. The answer is unequivocally, absolutely yes. He knows exactly what it is. I would go as far as to say it's not just that. It's some other concoction that this guy with the angels came up with for him uh, that's even more cutting edge than spider tag. Look, here's the problem, guys. We've got another steroid era, and it's the spin rate era. And it's what everyone is doing in Major League Baseball. I, I think the projections are between 75 and 90% of pitchers are using this in, in some way uh, and how that's affecting the game. We've got the lowest batting average in the history of the game right now at this point in the season, 237. I think I saw I'm from Major League Baseball. I'm surprised it's that high based on what I'm I watching. I mean, just, just terrible. So th this is my issue, though, with Major League Baseball, with, with all of these things. And Paul – gets way more worked up about the cheating angle of it and what they should be doing. Major League Baseball does not care about cheating. They do not care about a player trying to get an unfair advantage if every player is trying to get the unfair advantage. If it's one person doing it, maybe they'll have a problem. But when it's a majority of the league doing it, they have no issue. They have no morals about this. They do not care about the principled nature of the sport or cheating. They care about their product being devalued. They care when batting averages are lower and fans are complaining about the game because no one hits anymore. That's when suddenly, boy, well, guys, we got to look into this foreign substance. We can't have guys out there cheating. We can't have that in baseball. They care about the quality of their game. That's it. If the cheating impacts viewership and what people say about their game, that's when they suddenly have a problem. Spider tack is used by these world's strongest man competitors. They put this on their hand whenever they're lifting these stones. <laughs> it's like, like you see on July 4th with all these competitions. Cinder block lifting. Yeah, because the, it's improving your grip. And pitchers are using this ball to improve their grip on the ball and improve their spin rate. Batters are okay with certain amount of sticky stuff because it guarantees control, and it means you're not going to get hit in the head. Okay? So they accept it up to a certain level. But stuff that gives you such control that your spin rate goes up 250, 300 revolutions per minute? Per pitch. Per pitch, per whatever. Not minute. Um, it's just ridiculous. And, Chad, you're right about that. But here, here's where I have the monstrous problem. Baseball is a game a lot about anticipation, right? 
the pitcher is looking at the batter anticipating, all right, I just threw him inside and hard, and now I'm going to throw outside and soft. And the batter's countering that, right? Uh, okay, well, he just threw me this. He's going to throw me that. Remember uh, in Field of Dreams when the guy gets his one at bat and Burt, the Burt Lancaster character says to him, you know, okay, what did he just throw you? All right, he was inside, inside. So what's he going to throw you now? Outside. Yeah, but also worry about him putting yeah. it in your ear, right? Anticipation. Well, how does a game that's built on anticipation, the management of this game doesn't anticipate anything? This has been five years in the making. The spin rate revolution has been five years in the making, and they're seemingly naive enough to think that it's just, uh, oh, well, the people have the super slow-mo cameras now and have begun to emphasize this as a, as a great characteristic in pitchers, and they've been working on spin rates. And nobody has the foresight to think, to look into the well, science of spin rates and think you can't increase your spin rate by 300 uh, a pitch just by working at it. You know, the, the, the comparison to the steroid era is different because of the illegal substance being used. Yeah, it's not a chemical enhancement. Well, but it's, you know, it's, it's illegal. Outside it your body, not in your, in your body. Well, and it's illegal right. um, to obtain. So you, you have that versus the spider tech, which to the pitcher's credit here, and, and hear me out, MLB has allowed this to go on. So if the majority of the pitchers are using it, if you believe that, Major League Baseball has allowed them to use it. Umpires have allowed this to go on. So are we to rip Garrett Cole? Josh Donaldson pointed this out over the weekend. Who, who Garrett Cole was asked about this that because Josh Donaldson pointed him out as someone that uh, who the, the, the revolutions, the ball spin rate, had decreased. Right. They, a couple of minor leaguers got busted. Yes. This issue came up, and Cole had a bad game. His spin rate was down. And Donaldson said, hey, what a coincidence. It, His spin yeah. rate's down. Is it coincidence that Garrett Colt's spin rate numbers went down after four minor leaguers got suspended for 10 games? Is that possible? I don't know. Maybe. But Fair. Then, but then, Fair. Then he points out, also, I think this to Garrett Cole's credit, he goes, but at the same time, with this situation, they've let the guys do it. Meaning, we've all known about it, and they've looked the other way. Now, here's the entry. Garrett Cole pitches for the Yankees tonight in Minnesota against Josh Donaldson. Now, I think he should... You know, hit him hard in the hip. Uh, we know this doesn't tend to happen anymore. He got tossed out of the game immediately. Yeah. Does he spider tack it tonight or not? <laughs> you know, what's Just the for what's the spin rate? I want. I don't want miles per hour on the screen during this game. I want spin rate. <laughs> and I, I, and we used to never give a, a damn about spin rate or care or know what it means. I don't know what a good spin rate was and before Chad, this year. It, I know now it dropped significantly for Cole in his last start. Well, and if, if you if you t are to believe that everyone's doing it or a vast majority of the league is doing it, well, then Garrett Cole is still going to be one of the best pitchers in the game. Trevor Bauer is probably doing it. He's still going to be one of the no, best pitchers No, he said he game. doesn't. He's been asked about this multiple times. He goes, he, he's all for the punishment. Um, in, in the press conferences with the Dodgers media, he has said, I'm all for the punishment. Major League Baseball needs to make up their mind and enforce it instead of changing the punishment three times within a week in press releases. Yeah, and you say that, so, Chad, but we, were just, we just watched a video before the show, and the guys it listed off were all the best pitchers in baseball. A bunch of Cy Young Award winners. Kluber was one of yeah. them. Uh, you know, and so this is another thing where, like, if you want to succeed in Major League Baseball as a young up-and-coming pitcher, uh, you, you probably have to get on board. And, and because they're not policing it, you don't even really feel like you're doing anything wrong, most of them. And also, Garrett Cole, one of the good answers or good elements to his answer was like, there's kind of a traditional thing passed down from the last generation of pitchers to this generation of pitchers, indicating like this is part of what major league pitching is. Um, and look, it's out of control. It's got to be fixed to fix the game. And I think Major League Baseball needs to police itself but, better. But my point is, if Barry Bonds didn't juice, and no one else in baseball juiced, and mm. small Barry Bonds in Pittsburgh continues, he's still a Hall he of Famer. He was doing great. Yeah. He's still a great player. That just took Barry Bonds from Barry Bonds to Barry Bonds right. with a huge head and the huge muscles hitting it out all the time. 
If Trevor Bauer, not Trevor Bauer, if, if Garrett Cole and everyone else, Charlie Morton was one of the video we watched, if all those guys who went to Houston or somewhere and magically around 2015, 2016, their spin rate was through the roof and then fell off when they went somewhere else, if everyone stopped doing it, I still think those guys would be some of the best pitchers in baseball. Some of them, If yeah. no one is doing it. But Cole wasn't great in Pittsburgh. Houston saw something and said, hey, we could bring him here. And in this video we watched, which we should tweet out, um, Houston is one of the roots of this. Houston was at the heart of the spin, uh, spin rate revolution. While they were banging trash cans and stealing signs, they were also at the forefront of spin rates. They had three guys come down there that weren't that good, who all of a sudden had their spin rates shoot up. They were clearly at the spider tack or whatever the substance was. They were really emphasizing it because they got three pitchers who peaked who shot up and all of a sudden had motion on their pitches that they didn't have before. Now, I'm not saying everybody else didn't do it. And Garrett Cole got a $350 million contract out of what he did in Houston. Uh, look, I'm not excited that my team's best pitcher is doing it, but the Yankees needed an ace pitcher, and they went and got an ace pitcher who was throwing terrifically, and nobody had any beef with him. I didn't know any of this until it started coming out this year, that, that the way that he did this wasn't that Houston knew how to coach a pitcher to get a lot better. Well, they knew how to the, coach a pitcher to get a lot better with sticky stuff. No one on had his any hand. beef with it. Wasn't he on the team that was cheating with the Astros? Well, the pitchers weren't doing that. The hitters were doing it. Well, great. The, yeah, but he was a part of the team that knew that it was going it. on. I mean, the pitchers were the one. a five-run lead. He won a World Series in part because of it. Right, but I mean, were you? If your team signed a pitcher off of that team, would you have been upset? No, my 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 team signed Charlie Morton. Right. From the but I I'm not one that was outraged like you were also. I, didn't, uh, I was outraged. I wouldn't have wanted Altuve who refused to have his shirt taken off because something was going on because he knew balls and strikes. But I had less of an objection to to the pitchers. They might have known what was going on, but they weren't. Well, that pitcher knew that across the it. across the way at the other dugout, the other pitcher had no chance when they went and. and the yeah. batter well, it was came a pitcher who out, outed the whole thing, right? A former yes, Astros yes. pitcher. Um, here's the selfish fan part of me with Major League Baseball. I I love the steroid era. You know, I, I, I love the long ball. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the sport and the home run race and, you know, the launch angle. I'm all for it. So if you're asking me, am I outraged over spider tech? I'm, I'm not. I'm not angry about it. But to get it out of the game would improve the game for me as a viewer and as a fan. And for everybody. Because we're going to see more runs. We're going to see more hits. And ultimately, I don't, I don't get up for the, you know, the two nothing advantage where you, you've got the ace on the mound, and everyone's you know swinging at balls in the dirt, and practically these guys can't even run bases anymore. My my overall thought is, if you if you eliminate this from the game, does it improve? The fan experience, and the answer is yes, yes for me. That 2 nothing game's good when it's kind of an exception and a rarity. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not watching. Like, it doesn't bother me for the uh, – I mean, guys have been licking their hands and putting spit on the ball for years. Right. I but mean, nobody wants to see the league hitting 238. Exactly. It's, it's not good. Here's another thing about pitchers. Uh, Tanaka, the Yankee pitcher who's, who's gone now, who came from Japan. I mean, I remember reading detailed articles about when they were changing the baseball a little bit. This was when a couple of years ago when the seams changed. The seams were flatter. Yes. This guy threw a great sinker, right? And he was having a really tough time because the sinker wasn't sinking because the seams weren't as elevated on the baseball. So little things for pitchers to be a big deal. He had a tighter baseball, and he couldn't get his sinker to sink. It's a minor adjustment to the actual mm. baseball. Uh you know, so a pitcher suffered with that. That That's part of it. So that was part of the travails for him. They're trying to create a tackier baseball, so the grip issue takes care of itself. But I think there's pretty much acceptance here that a combination of sunscreen and rosin or even pine tar, people are willing to accept. It's stuff that goes beyond that because that stuff only raises the spin rate to a, a certain degree. There's a, like a baseline. It's this stuff that takes it beyond that baseline that makes it ridiculous. And I've come in here many days talking about there's this pitching ninja Twitter account that just shows these pitches that are obscene, obscene. Simon and I look at these all the time, and I'm like, can you imagine trying to hit this? Look at what this pitch is doing that are, are unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, Bob Gibson 
Ron Guidry, Pedro Martinez, all-time greats, were throwing these pitches once in a while that were filthy. Now, every night, there's something filthy, often by guys we haven't heard of. And well, that's this and, stuff. And D- David Reed brought up a, a good idea. He said, I'd love to see them make all of it legal. Let's, let's let them do this, and let's bring back steroids and see what happens. Well, what's going to happen is the pitchers are going to win. Because there's no amount of steroids. If you're not hitting the pitches now and you're looking foolish at the plate because of spin rate, steroids aren't going to help it's you do that. It's a matter of seeing it. It's just going to help you when you do get a hold of it right. that it may go a little further and you're going to hit more home runs But if you're that hitting way. 238, you're but hitting 238. This, this seems to be right now the ultimate trump card for pitchers. It's why we're seeing historically low batting averages. It's why we're seeing all this. And Major League Baseball is now course correcting again. Paul, in the video we watched, Going from 1968 to 1969, previous all-time low batting average across baseball, 1968. What do they do? They lower the mound by 10 inches. And in 1969, people start hitting again. This is what we're doing. This is another course correction by baseball. It got out of hand. The science of the game is such now where people understand things like spin rate. They see the advantages of it. They start to come up with a plan to have a better spin rate. And now we have this. Baseball comes back. They don't care about the cheating aspects of it or if it's illegal or not. They're simply coming back and trying to do something that's going to bring hitting back. By the way, the union will gum up the works on this. And here's a message to the union. You represent the pitchers and the hitters. So the game being better is better for the union. Don't you guys feel like the union, and sports unions in general, just automatically fight? You want to change something? We're going to fight it, no matter what. You want, uh, you know, you want to move the games up to 6 o'clock so more kids could come? We'll fight that. There's nothing wrong with that. That would be great for the game. We'll fight it. Yeah. They're well, representing a big portion of the team rosters, bullpens. Yeah, but, I mean, they're also representing the hitters who are complaining about it. Like, I, I just don't know why they're always primed to whatever you want to do, we're going to counter. Uh, Work I, with the major leagues. But, Paul, you're acting as though this problem. is just some rep, this, this revelation came, to, came about in 2021. Hitters have known this when they've gone to the plate for years. I know. But the, the biggest rationale for, for managers and, and batters, really, not complaining uh, until now is, is everyone's that we're, doing it. we're all doing it. Right. So I don't understand why unwinding and going from everybody doing it to nobody doing it is such a, 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 a labor issue. Like, okay, everybody's been doing it. Now nobody's going to do it. That's the same in terms of equity. I think from a player's standpoint, they want consistency in what Major League Baseball is proposing because it has changed three different times since their initial statement to the media. Oh, Major League Baseball so, butchers everything. As a players association, I would want my representation making sure that whatever they're finalizing is exactly what they want to do and that they actually have a good idea in place. Okay, but draw up the plan with them and then let the plan be an enforced, reasonable plan. And it doesn't have to be this incremental, glacierly slow thing. We know what the problem is now. Fix it. But, Paul, you said that you already started to bring in some of the doubts about how clear-cut the plan's going to be. Oh, sunscreen is okay. Right. This is okay. But it's the other stuff that they can't do. Well, these umpires, they don't have a degree in chemistry. <laughs> They're not going out there knowing exactly what it is. So it's still going to be left up to their They're eye in a bad spot, too. And what they want to do. We watched the video. Will Smith, who's now with the Braves when he was with the Brewers, going on a cursing tirade at the umpire for kicking him out. Because he's probably done that every game. And now suddenly someone brought it up and saw the sunscreen or whatever he had on his arm. Rock. And it was too much, and they, they throw him out of the game. <laughs> but this is going to be – it's always going to be left up yeah. to chance on something. Unless – Somewhat. Unless they say, you can't do any of it. Anything outside of a normal amount of rosin. sunscreen on your arms is out. What about licking your hands? You guys do that after every pitch. Well, you got I, – I, I think this. It, but you, what I'm saying is to, it's going to be up to the umpires to say now, what is within well, It doesn't have to only be the umpires. Is spider attack, attack being delivered to your facility? I, you can police it on that. 
Now, I understand there's going to be cheating methods and everything, yeah. but that should I'll, not be I'll allowed. I'll have my buddy Jonathan Hutton have it, Amazon delivered to him. I'll bring I'll my bag. It should be not allowed in the building. You should be able to police what comes into your building. Well, these guys a, have with these the delivery, get back B, from a road trip. In. These guys get back from a road trip. And you got, you know, I tout Trevor Bauer's vlog. He gets back from a road trip in Cincinnati before he was traded, and he has boxes upon boxes stacked up in front of his locker. And so at 3 a.m., uh, whenever they had the red eye at back to Cincy, he sits there and opens up all this product that he was sent. Well, start monitoring the product. But it's in a it's in an unmarked box. Well, start monitoring. They're not the going to open up personal mail. They're not going to do that. Well, I, I, I'm not saying open a guy's personal mail, but I, I'm saying there's a way to know what's coming into your building. The other thing too is I believe some hitters don't mind a little substance on the baseball. Some they yeah. want pitchers to have control. Over the baseball, believe it or not. Yeah, they don't want because to they don't want to get hit in the head. No, I, I agree with that. But I, you know, is rosin insufficient? What what come to a a thing on what's allowed, what's allowed, and what's not allowed? I just I, there's no way to just hard line police this thing unless you say only rosin's allowed. Because if not, you're getting into this whole area of the umpire's going to go out and check him and say. Yeah, whatever. You look fine. Yeah. And the next night or the next start, the same pitcher's going to do the same thing. The other part is like, yeah, there's too much stuff on here. You're out. You know what else I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear pace of play stuff on this. Uh, I, 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 why can't an umpire walk with the pitcher from the dugout to the mound, time that is not pace of play issue yeah, anyway, and check the glove and check the hat? I'm hearing a lot of this, and I hear a lot of it coming from the union side. Oh, well, you, I, I heard a lot of it on MLB Network last night. Well, you know, you're going to create the the solving the sticky stuff issue, and you're going to, but you're going to at the expense of the pace of play issue. No, and this trumps pace of play. I'm a big pace of play fan, but I'm a big don't don't have guys with gobs of of spider tack guy, and that trumps it. And I think an umpire could walk with the pitcher to the mound, checking his glove and hat, and not adding a lot of time to the game. Uh, is it really going to be that big of a pace of play thing? And if the so. glove has a bunch of gobby stuff in it, you take the glove out of the game, the guy gets another glove, boom. I've seen hockey sticks replaced fast. <laughs> Replace a glove fast. Make a change in the game. Fast. Boom. And then Have hum- a second hat and a second glove ready. Humidors are getting involved in this now, which is all they, they've done. They've done behind-the-scenes videos, teams have, on, on their clubhouse guys who rub down the baseballs with the mud and put them in humidors and how they you know store all. They get the slick baseball. It's too complicated. It's it's like the federal government. I just, the bureaucracy gets bigger and bigger, and that you can't unwind. You, I mean, there's so many things in uh, in sports that we know this stuff has gone on for years. You know, the video we're watching shows how you know they, back in the early days before 1920, they would cover it in tobacco juice to make it where you couldn't see the ball, Dark. and it was totally legal <laughs> yeah. until someone got hit in the face and killed because they couldn't see the baseball. And they said, you know, we maybe we need to keep the baseball yeah, white. We want death. So the down. batter can see it. Yeah, we're going to try to lower the death rate in baseball. Um, <laughs> and Whitey Ford used like, his I, I feel like I'm ball. back in like ninth grade physical science class with some of this stuff because I, I, I don't know the, you know, I can see how certain things would be an advantage, but it's amazing the different levels. And part of this is what makes baseball so interesting, the differences in the parks. It's not all universal. Different sizes, mm-hmm. different nooks and crannies different altitudes everything's a little bit different across baseball which makes it fun but the level you can get into in the idiosyncrasies of how you doctor the baseball what the baseball should feel like what the baseball should look like what you can do with bats what you can do with humidity it's fascinating but i feel like i'm so out of my depths trying to get specific on what a pitcher should want and what they do it's it's incredible to think about Coming up, primary complaint. Also incredible to think about. But first, you do not need a foreign substance to make America hard again. You need MyDrHank.com. That is where you go for uh, the best. Look, uh, erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men. It does not have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017, Chad, MyDrHank, making America hard again. Yeah, and look, this is something, as you said, affects over half of men. So it's not something that you need to be discreet about anymore. It's, it's very common, but if you want to be discreet, they can be discreet for you. They're going to send it discreetly from a United States pharmacy directly to you with my Dr. Hank. And for as low as $2 a pill, Paul, plus a great offer. 50% off your first subscription order if you go to my Dr. Hank, D.R. Hank, 
com slash outkick sign up you get 50 percent off your first subscription order we talk discounts and good pricing here all the time this is uh, one of the best deals you're going to see let them know that outkick 360 sent you go to mydrhankcom slash outkick Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. And every Wednesday, it is time to complain. It's time for primary complaint. My primary complaint, uh, look, newspapers are in the past. The Tennessean, the local paper here in Nashville and across the state, they're having to adapt to a more online media. But online is more immediate. And unfortunately, I have an example of the newspaper through Gannett acting like currently that they're waiting on print instead of giving me the information in a timely fashion to my inbox and not on my doorstep. The Tennessean sent this out at 2.30 this morning. You can see the time, timestamp this morning from the Tennessean to my inbox, flooding me, Paul likes to say litter, if you throw the newspaper in his yard now, this is junk mail to me because this is old news. At 2.30 this morning, Titans A.J. Brown says he's keeping number 11. Julio Jones's number to be determined. This is after nearly 12 hours earlier, the Titans announced that he was going to be wearing number two. The Tennessean, yet again, my primary complaint. My primary complaint's handwriting related. I've often wondered what the state of uh, script cursive is. I I don't know if we teach it in the schools anymore. I don't know if my son is going to write cursive. You print and you type. And I, I think I'd come to terms with that. But then I see something like this. Simon won this. (laughs) He went to a camp and he won a monstrous game of Simon Says. Let's zoom in on this, shall we? These are the signatures (laughs) of high school kids. Now, if you look at these, uh, Hutton said it, these are the signatures of serial killers. (laughs) Looks like they should have been written in crayon. These are printed signatures. Let's give bonus to the two guys that actually wrote in script. Up here, Reagan, Corey, maybe. Nice. And uh, this one is, you know, more like a superstar autograph. You can't read it, number two. But if the lack of teaching cursive Future results doctor. in people writing their names on legal documents or signing autographs or signatures in this fashion, printed, then we got to go back to teaching cursive. I'm sorry. We can't have people <laughs> signing things like that. It's a step short of an X. Well done. My primary complaint this week is uh, coffee-related. There are some people that are very serious about their coffee. I'm not one of those people. I'm serious about my coffee being two things, hot and black. That's it. I'm going to show you something. I've got a visualization tool here. This is a cup of coffee that we get here at Blackbird Studios every day. It's great because the coffee here is good. It's hot and it's black. That's the way I like it. But here's the deal with it. It's a cheap cup and it's got a cheap lid. I have no problem with this cup or this lid because they're both cheap. Do you know what happens when both are cheap? The lid stays on the cup. It's amazing how that works. This is what I'm also serious about with my coffee, that it doesn't spill on me. The way that you can guarantee coffee to spill on you or to spill on your customers is if you mismatch. When you go heavy duty cup, like a lot of high-end places go, with a cheap lid, that cheap lid will not fasten to a heavy-duty cup. Vice versa, if you go cheap cup with heavy-duty lid, guess what? It's not going to attach itself. The one thing you should do, if you're gonna charge someone $6 for a cup of coffee, is make sure that after it feels like the lid is fastened and the person takes a sip of that coffee, that it does not spill on your customer. That is step number one. Let's line them up, either cheap on cheap or expensive on expensive. Figure it out and do it. That's my primary complaint. Well done, gents. So, like, Paul, your complaint, it looked like I hold my pencil like this, right? Like like a normal person. I think everyone writes like this. I do not. 
How do you hold it? I hold it a weird way where my pinky's on the outside. Yeah, don't show that off. Wow. That right there. So, like, that's, I how, that's how I write. I, you have the hand of Eric the actor as you grip your <laughs> I, I do, yes. really does. Uh, show, show me your hand, and this yeah. is what it'll look like. I'm club leaking footed. I, to me, it looks like at the school, someone <laughs> took a magic marker, and they were holding it like this as they yeah. wrote yeah. their name out like a serial killer. Oh, like so it, they ruined the perfectly it, it good like, like warm-up shirt. It looks like Evie's kindergarten class in crayon when they're trying to write their name out. Yeah. That looks like every one of the signatures should be written in crayon. This winning this Simon Says was huge. There were at least 175, 200 kids. Uh, so it, it was a big win, but he came home with that prize, and of course the conversation took a whole new direction on with those signatures. We uh, always welcome your direction for primary complaint. 360 at outkick.com. 360 at outkick.com. Lebowski is back in this week, sending in this audible complaint. Amazing. That is for sure. dealership while tweeting screenshots of your Fidelity account, hashtag Dogecoin. But this is important. The Vandy Whistler is an People want to get involved in your sport. People like myself want to come in off the sidelines and root for a local team. You complain of people jumping on the Tennessee bandwagon now that they are, quote, a suddenly good team. But taking to the socials and defending this whistling dunce and saying things like, oh, you're just a casual fan, or if you don't like it, turn it off, it only sends would-be fans scrambling to find another game to watch. You know what UT does not have in the crowd? A 70-year-old bridge troll power-washing the crowd in front of him with saliva and horrific ear-destroying audio. I'm not saying you drop violence on this man, but based on the ear covering that I see from surrounding fans, I take it you would have an enthusiastic list of supporters for a quick body slam. And I'm also assuming that the majority of law firms in Nashville have a Vandy grad on partnership. So rest assured that your life will continue to be an unbroken boulevard of green lights. Hashtag this is not legal advice. Either way, if I have to choose between watching the Vandy boys on mute because you all insist on having a malfunctioning Rolls-Royce jet engine in the crowd, or UT with the game volume on like Jesus intended, I'm going to go with the latter. Rack me. <laughs> Is this on the day of the smack-off as yeah, well? That was a well-timed rack-em or rack-me from, uh, from the Globowski because I just saw on Twitter... Uh, from our buddy uh, Jason Barrett, Barrett Sports Media, saying this is the 27th anniversary of Jim Rome Smackoff. So maybe, uh, I don't want to shortchange Lebowski, maybe he knew this was the Smackoff day, that this would air, and that's why he said rack me at the end of it. But uh, uh, Hutton, I know you agree with this because you talked about it last week, but uh, could not agree more. There is uh, zero redeeming qualities about the Vandy Whistler at games. I, for Vandy fans or any other fan. I, so much show. Oh yeah, the enemies list. Yeah, I hate the, the whistler. Also, by the way, the Tennessean, as you see there, yeah. there it is. Hutton's complaint today. Both of them hit. Look at this. Look as I point. Somebody, quick, uh, say something about this. Is how I write too. This is my hand when I write. Yeah. The Eric the actor hand. I have to say the whistler was manageable at the game I went to, but I mean the expectations are so low or high, however you're looking at it. More uh, email entries this week for primary complaint. We go to our first one. This is from Ethan R. Why is it so difficult for some media, members of the media to be properly informed? The Titans were not required to do anything else aside from restructuring Tannehill's contract in order to afford Julio. People flocked to this tweet to tell Jared Stillman he was wrong, and instead of admitting fault or clarifying his stance, he doubled down. Being wrong sucks. No one wants to take an L, but refusing to admit you're wrong makes you hold two L's. That from Ethan R., who emailed in, 360 at outkick.com. Look, blowhard uh, sports radio hosts don't admit they're wrong. They move on to the next thing. And anybody that buys this guy as some sort of salary cap expert, look, the, the joke's on you. I, I mean, the idea that this guy understands the NFL salary cap is ridiculous. He doesn't understand how how locker rooms work. He doesn't understand a lot about what he talks about. And that's what happens when you put a 26-year-old guy on major market radio. you got to be looking somewhere else. This is not the right person for this job. Stop paying attention to it. Well, except, Paul, he didn't just move on. He doubled down yesterday, <laughs> right. and he used Ian Rappaport's tweet saying that it was two uh, bonus years, the voidable years, the voidable that years at the end, to make his point that it took more Look, that than got just restructuring. Them, listen, Jared, that got them from gaining $15 million to gaining $18 million. So they gained uh, uh, elbow room. They needed $9 million to fit this contract. 
The Tannehill restructure got them 15, they needed 9 million plus. The Tannehill restructure got them 15 million plus. I know you're not good at math, but that's more. They needed more than nine. They got 15. That's enough. That's it. He, he then they got 18. So they have even more. That's it. He also says Kevin Johnson retired, which is another thing that had to happen. It so didn't have to happen. Place. That gave them one, but that, that got them that they only needed nine. Previously, they would have needed 10. So uh, you're just in over your depth. Go talk about all your hot takes and all of that stuff and stay away from stuff that's well, out of your depth. Here's what, here's what to me is funny about it. And Read I, I, people. I was, I was texting. I'm, I'm friends with Jared. I was texting with him about this. Hey, Paul, you're right. Most times a hot take artist or someone who's going to come out with scorching hot takes regularly will just walk away from it Skip Bayless style. Right? When it doesn't pan out, you just don't acknowledge it and you keep moving forward, which is probably a good time. To his either fault or credit, he went right back into it hardcore and did not duck away from it and continued to double and triple down on it. I don't think that's a hill to die on because it's all semantics. You can sit there and claim, well, I said it was more than restructuring. Well, adding the two voidable years is restructuring the contract. This is not some big extension that means a lot for Ryan Tannehill and the Titans moving forward when it's voidable years. This is just ways to manipulate the salary cap to make everything fit and to help the Titans. And this is Ryan Tannehill helping the Titans with this also. I don't know what his area of expertise is. I know this is not it. Well, you don't have to be a salary cap expert to be right on the salary cap. Well, you have to be able to jot some numbers down and do math, and he didn't do it. This is very wrong by him. And to double down on it, now you were just arguing semantics. All it took to get Julio Jones in was doing something with Ryan Tannehill's contract, which they did, which proved him wrong. You know what tweet of his But I instead enjoyed. of just saying, I'm wrong, but here's what I was saying, there's going to be lasting implications with the team moving forward. You could say that and be fine, but it's the inability to just say, yeah, I was wrong on this one point. Final point, Hunt. I enjoy him when he's funny. You know the tweet I enjoyed that was funny? when he made an official endorsement for the Vanderbilt women's basketball coach. Now, that was high comedy. I enjoyed that. That was funny, like Vanderbilt cared. (laughs) Next up for primary complaint, emailing in is Jeff, my primary complaint. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. primary complaint, sports fans living in the distant past. As a Nebraska football fan, I'm ridiculously tired of sports fans living in the glory days of 20-plus years ago when your team hasn't shown any signs of life or competitiveness for years. It's time to realize they aren't on an elite level anymore. Stop acting like you can hang with anyone. Let it go. I feel like this applies to uh, not just Nebraska, but uh, school to the east. You're saying Tennessee? Yeah. I think that uh, I I don't know what – I mean, Paul, let's not talk about the Yankees championships either because that's in the past. I mean, it's in in, in the distant past with a bunch of them. So I I think you can do both. I think there's a way to celebrate your past. And understand if you're a top program like Nebraska or Tennessee, historically two top programs, and appreciate that history and the winning of your program while also acknowledging that you're not there right now. I do think there's a a hardcore number of fans who can do both. There are a number of fans who recognize if Tennessee goes 6-6 and this year, that's great. (laughs) And also say, you know, 25 years ago is a hell of a lot better uh, in the 90s with Tennessee. You, You can do both. You don't have to go into every year expecting to win the national title like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State while also honoring your team's legacy in the past. I feel like that was a shot at your wife, and I don't appreciate that. No, I think, look, my my wife, who's a hardcore Nebraska fan, fully understands that even Scott Frost hasn't won at Nebraska. So while they're hoping for the best and they're not completely out on Scott Frost yet, uh, there's a lot of understanding that it's not the same. And speaking of that, Scott Frost will be expen- extended to 2040 uh, any day now. But I also I get a little bit frustrated when people are, are saying, just get over it. It's over. Your success is all over. Just accept the fact that it's all over. Do you just want fans to just completely give up and not ever hope for anything better for in the Oklahoma. future? <laughs> like we, you know, the teams that have never, yeah. hey, Titans fans, you've never won a Super Bowl. Give it up. Don't worry about Julio Jones. You've never won a Super Bowl. It's never going to happen. Lose hope. Just don't worry about it. Don't even get excited about the game. This is not how fans should act. 
I'm never going to say you should never hope for anything better because you've not ever been good or the last 20 years have been good. People argue that about Tennessee. Tennessee's never going to be Tennessee again. Okay, great. Maybe not. But I'm not going to piss all over someone because they want to have hope that in the future maybe it'll turn and it'll get better. Maybe Alabama will make a bad hire or three. Maybe Georgia <laughs> will make a bad hire or three. That's what had happened when Tennessee was great in the 90s. These other rivals were making bad hires. It could happen again. They could make a bad decision, just like Tennessee spent 15 years making bad decisions. It's possible. We have, what, two more uh, that submitted 360 at outkick.com. You complain, you jump in. No, that's in. it. Oh, I know I sent in more. We'll save them for next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, primary complaint, 360 at outkick.com. 360 at outkick.com is where you can submit your primary complaints. We'll get to the other ones next week. Tennessee Power Hour, including Julio Jones and why the argument of would you take Corey Davis or Jonu Smith and Jonu Smith or Julio Jones? Well, we'll end the argument next. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.